Hey, turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. There should be a Bible in the pew back in front of you if you don't have one. And uh, we're going to be in the Gospel of Mark as we've been going through this uh, Gospel for uh, uh, many months now. We're, we're going through start to finish. And we have found ourselves in Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 24. Uh, but before we read through the text, uh, I heard a story the other day. There was, a, there was an elderly woman... And uh, she, she was at a very busy street corner. Uh, she was looking across the street and she was noticing these cars zooming left and zooming right, kind of driving like uh, Don here drives uh, his RV. And they were just flying on by. And, and the lady was quite scared. She, she, she realized that she just could not cross this street without any help. And uh, sure enough, as she waited to cross the street, a very nice gentleman came alongside her and, and, and said, May I cross over with you? She thought, well, well, that's very, very nice of you. Thank you so much. And she, she grabbed the man's hand and together they crossed the street. And as they crossed the street, um, the lady took note of the fact that the, the path they were taking was anything but safe. They were zigzagging through traffic and they were just missing cars. They almost got hit a couple of times. Their, the horns were blasting and she was scared to death that she was crossing the street with this man. She got to the end of the road and she turned to him and says, You almost got us killed! What are you, blind? And the man said, Well, yes I am. That's why I asked to cross with you. You know, uh, common sense tells us that it's dangerous to cross the street with a blind man, isn't it? That's, that's common sense, right? But in Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 46, Jesus is going to encourage us to do just that. Jesus in Mark 10, 46-52, in the story that we read today, is going to be encouraging us to cross, to follow the blind man to follow in the footsteps of a blind man. Turn in your Bibles again to Mark chapter 10, verse 46. The title of my message today is Follow the Blind Man. Follow the Blind Man. Let's read this text together, beginning in verse 46. It says this, Now they, Jesus and the disciples, and a crowd, by the way, who have amassed with them, now they came to Jericho, and as Jesus went out of Jericho with his disciples and a, great, uh, a, and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him, Bartimaeus, to be quiet. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer. Rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Let's pray, well, shall, you, shall we? Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, 
Your Spirit is upon this place now. And Father, we need Your Spirit to guide us through Your Word. And I pray, Lord, that that now Your Spirit would illumine our eyes, open up our hearts, help us to see Your Word for what it is, Father, the truth of God. I pray, Lord, that You would just help us, Father, to learn to follow the example of the blind man. Father, bless this time of study in Jesus' name. Amen. A little bit of a backdrop. Where are we in the story of Mark? Well, Jesus, friends, is making His way from the northern regions of Israel to Jerusalem. Uh, He is on His final journey into the capital city of Jerusalem. And in fact, when He gets there in, in the very next chapter, Mark 11, Mark 11 all the way to the end of the Gospel is going to be one week of Jesus' life. So we are in the last section here before the rest of the remaining uh, Gospel of Mark in which it, it encompasses one week. Chapters 11 through 16 encompass only seven days. Jesus is making His way from the north, coming down the Jordan River. He's now making His way into Jericho, which is just about 10 to 15 miles east of Jerusalem. And uh, He walks through the city And this is where we pick it up in verse 46. It says, Now they came to Jericho, and as Jesus went out of Jericho and His disciples in a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy upon me. Jesus is entering Jericho, The disciples are behind Him, and a great multitude is behind Him. Um, Keep in mind as we we approach chapter 11, you know, the the passage about the great triumphal entry into Jerusalem, there were throngs of people waving palm branches. Friends, these are the people who are following Jesus. These are the people who are following Jesus. Jesus has amassed a crowd based on His teaching, based on His miracles. Many people are following Him right now. We don't know the count, but we can surely expect it to be in the hundreds, if not perhaps thousands. And they've entered Jericho, and the city city is bustling right now. The multitudes have come in, many of them from the region of Galilee. They're out of town. Uh, They need to, to find a place to reside that night. And so the city is bustling with newcomers. Everyone is talking about this Jesus and wondering what's going to happen when He enters Jerusalem. Expectations are very high. A blind beggar is seated seated by the city gate at this time. And he starts to hear the noise from the crowd. And he calls out to those who can see and and he says, What's happening? What's going on? Tell me, who is it who's come into town? Why all this fuss? Someone in the crowd calls back to him, Hey, it's Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth is here. You know, the the new great teacher and healer. And sure enough, Bartimaeus probably would have known about the one called Jesus. You see, as a blind beggar, his sole occupation was to sit by the city gate, probably uh, seated, and asking for alms. He would uh, drape a, a cloak, usually maybe across his legs, And he would beg people as they came and went from the city gates asking for a handout, asking for help. 
Uh, he couldn't work. He was blind. Uh, he was largely ostracized in the community because of his blindness, because many people would have considered it a result of his sin, though certainly that was not always the case in the Old Testament. And this man, this ostracized man, he would have been seated by the city gate, a cloth across his legs, allowing people to drop coins on the cloth that he might have something to, with which to buy food. Undoubtedly, as people went to and from that city gate, they began to talk about the latest news of the day. And Jesus of Nazareth was big news. The stories of His teaching, His healings, His exorcisms, His miraculous signs had not merely remained in the villages of, the, of, the nor, of northern Galilee. No, they had made their way down toward the more commercialized sectors of, of Israel, into Jericho and into Jerusalem. This blind man undoubtedly heard people speak about Jesus as they walked to and from the city gates. Now, we don't know all the stories that this man heard about Jesus, but we can surmise a couple of points by the way in which he cries out to Jesus. Notice what he says. It says, when Jesus walked by the man, he cried out saying, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now, this comment alone gives us an indication of what this man had come to learn and believe about Jesus Christ. Two comments here. Two things that this man has come to learn and believe about Jesus Christ. Number one, he's come to learn and believe that Jesus could heal the sick and afflicted. He says, have mercy on me. He's asking Jesus, will you do something for me to help me with my affliction? Have mercy on me. He had come to believe that Jesus was a healer. But secondly, he had also come to believe that Jesus was the Messiah, the much-anticipated Son of David. Now, we look at that term, Son of David, and we don't, maybe, perhaps we don't think much of it. Friends, that title was not used loosely in the first century. The term Son of David was not a casual title ascribed to even high teachers, high rabbis. Of Israel. Son of David, friends, interestingly enough, this is the first time it is used in the Gospel of Mark. The first time. It is most likely a functional equivalent of the term Messiah or Christ, Savior. Thus, it's, and, and it's no coincidence that this title, friends, is being used for the first time as Jesus is about to enter what city? Jerusalem. And what's going to happen in Jerusalem? He's going to enter amidst throngs of people waving palm branches and saying, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hosanna, save us, Son of David! They're going to now be soon proclaiming Jesus for who He is. And here we find the title ascribed to Him for the first time at the end of Mark chapter 10. Years into Jesus' ministry. As Jesus is nearing the end of His earthly life, His desire to shield His identity is dissipating. Remember in the past, Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of God, back in Mark chapter 8, and Jesus says, that's right, but shh, don't tell anyone. In the past, they would, they would call Him out and, 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 and begin to speak about Jesus perhaps being the coming King, the coming Prophet, the coming... The one who would raise up Israel over Rome. 
And Jesus kept saying, shh, I want you to keep this a secret. I want you to keep this on the down low. Here, in the, at the end of Mark 10, Jesus is not silencing the blind beggar. The blind beggar is calling him son of David, a very serious title of honor, and Jesus is not silencing him. Why? Because he's almost done with his earthly life. People are beginning to realize who Jesus truly is. And as one theologian put it, Bartimaeus, his words, now open up a new phase in the gradual disclosure of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. The messianic secret, friends, is not to remain a secret for much longer. And it, it, isn't it ironic? Isn't it ironic that of all the people to whom should be given the privilege of identifying Jesus for who He really is, that privilege was given to a blind man. Friends, uh, the Scriptures, the story of, of our Lord Jesus Christ is not without a sense of irony. It took a blind man to be the first one to proclaim that Jesus was the Son of David. I think that's significant. I think that shows that God in His wisdom was demonstrating that um, the people of Israel, those to whom Jesus had come, were largely blind to whom He really was and the true purpose for, for which He had come. And it took a blind man to show them the way. The son of David, um, in common thought... This phrase, son of David, was usually understood in terms of, of course, King David. They thought of it as someone who would be a king, someone who would be very nationalistic, someone who would be militaristic, someone who would be a conqueror, someone who would come in with power and with might. And that was a common view of the day, not least of which is, is re-emphasized by a passage we see in Jeremiah. Take a look at Jeremiah 23, which reinforced their view of the son of David. It says this, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he will be called the Lord our righteousness. Friends, this passage in Jeremiah, written 600 years before the time of Christ, was a, one of many passages which reinforced the idea that the son of David would be power, powerful, mighty conqueror. He would be militaristic. And that's how they viewed the son of David. They viewed him to be one who would restore Israel to worldwide prominence. Now, of course, Jesus is the Son of David. That was, in fact, His rightful claim. He was the coming Messiah. But the way in which He fulfilled it, as we've mentioned many times before in this Gospel, the way in which He fulfilled it was quite different than the expectations of those who ascribed to Him that title. Now, let's go back to the beggar here for just a moment who is calling out. He's calling out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Let's see the contrast between how Jesus and the crowds respond to Bartimaeus. Take a look at verse 48. Verse 48, it says this, Then many warned Bartimaeus to be quiet. Be quiet. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, 
Have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer. Rise. He is calling you. You know, as Bartimaeus is crying out, the crowd is, uh, they're annoyed, aren't they? They're like, shh, be quiet. Stop talking. Stop crying out. They warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And suddenly Jesus stops. He hears the voice of the man begging by the city gate, and he stops and he turns around and says, Whoever that is calling to me, bring him over to me. And the crowd goes from telling Bartimaeus to be quiet to saying, hey, come on! Come on up! He's calling you! Come on over! They go from being dismissive of the blind man to being encouraging of the blind man. Just like that. It reminds me of those times, you guys remember, we were all, we were all in high school once. And in high school, you know, something wasn't cool unless the most popular person in the school thought it was cool. Right? Something wasn't cool until the most popular person in the school said, yeah, that's cool right there. That, that's a cool thing. And because I say that's cool, everybody thinks it's cool. That's what's happening here, friends. The beggar's begging, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy. They're like, shh, be quiet, man. Shh, stop talking. Jesus is like, hey, bring him over here. Yeah, man, come on over. Come on over. The coolest man, Jesus. Just said, I want that guy. Bring him over to me. Now let's see what his interaction with the beggar looks like. Let's take a look at verse 50. Verse 50. And throwing aside his garment, Bartimaeus rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus, sitting by the city gate, cloak over his legs, some coins in it. The crowd says, hey, he's calling you. And immediately he takes the cloak and he throws it off, casting coins perhaps in the air, and runs with help, you can't see, to Jesus. He comes up to Jesus. And Jesus takes a look at the, looks, looks at the man and, and he asks him, what do you want me to do for you? Now, it's a basic question, uh, one we might expect to hear from Jesus. Um, But upon closer inspection, friends, this question is uh, actually very, very significant. Uh, It's very significant because of where it's placed in Mark chapter 10. You see, Jesus, just days ago, just days ago, asked this exact same question of another group of people. Take a look at earlier in Mark 10. It says this, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And Jesus said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to Him, Grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. The same exact question. In Greek, it is the same exact question. Mark here has put this, arranged this chapter such that when we read verse 50, excuse me, verse 51, 
when we read Jesus' question, Mark intended for us to go back to the question that we see in verse 36. And notice how James and John responded to that question. They said with, with, uh, with great boldness, they said, well, we want you to uh, give us the greatest honor and notoriety there is. We want to sit on your right and your left hand in your kingdom. We want the, the two greatest positions of honor that a first century Jew can possibly imagine. It's no wonder that Jesus ultimately responded to James and John and the rest of the disciples with these words. Notice what He said to them, continuing in Mark 10. He said this, Whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. This is the text we looked at briefly last week. In response to their, to their request for, for greatness, Jesus says, no, that's, that's not for me to give, first of all. But second of all, if you want to be first, you need to be a servant. If you want to be great, you need to be a slave. Just like I'm going to show you the way, Jesus said. In great contrast to James and John, notice what blind Bartimaeus asked for when Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? The end of verse 51, He says this, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Rabboni, Master, Teacher. An affectionate, more affectionate term than, than simply Rabbi. My Master, my Teacher, I ask that I may receive my sight. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. What a contrast. Mark is intending for us to see this contrast and how different the answers are. I want us to... to, I've arranged a couple things here to let us to, to see this in its fullest light. Some lessons in the contrast 